remember. As Mark Glidden has already shared, um, we are in a new season here at AIC. We are in the season right now where we are looking for a new lead pastor. And I want to just share a few things from my heart here, uh, be, and hopefully it will answer some questions for you. Some people have suggested that I start driving Pastor Mike's old car, <laughs> and that I move into his the flat that he was living in, the townhouse he was living in. That is not going to happen. Um, we love the driver that we have of that nice double-decker bus, <laughs> and we love the neighbors that we have right here right here in this neighborhood, um, close, to, uh, close to the church here. Um, I have been called here as the discipleship pastor, and I feel very strongly that that's God's call on my life. And uh, so with that in mind, I have not submitted my name to become the pastor, the lead pastor here, because I feel that my gifting is being used well here. Here in this position. And so I am joining with you in looking for that new lead pastor and who God has for us. Um, I have found myself in this position through my life a number of times. The church that I was attending when I met my wife, I became the uh, interim pastor for a year there before going to seminary. And so I went through that. Now that was a much smaller area. We measured things in square miles, not square kilometers there, but this was a very rural part of Kentucky. And there were 10 or 11 people per square mile. We have more than that on my floor in my tower. <laughs> but it was a good place to start. I was a youth pastor at another church and uh, the... Uh, lead pastor left, and so we went through a period of time there. And I was also working at the district office, and we went through two superintendent changes during my time there. So I'm looking forward to what God's going to do here. He's going to do some good things. He's going to bring us to the point that He wants us to be. And uh, my job is changing a little bit now in the interim time. I've talked about this with the under-shepherds. About 50% of my time I'll try to give to the discipleship pastor role. About 50% of the time I'll be doing some of the things related to the lead pastor and trying to cover things here. That means that there's about 50% that won't get done. But uh, somehow we will get through. And I want to assure you that people are stepping up and stepping in the gap here and filling the places that God has. And I'm confident that God will lead us on from here. Another question that comes up sometimes is, well, it's not only Pastor Mike that left. His wife, Melissa, also left. And in case she listens to this message, I have never seen her resignation yet. <laughs> Being her immediate supervisor, I never saw that. And so she's absent without an excuse. <laughs> However, I did tell her if she didn't go with her husband, there would be serious issues that we needed to discuss, and she probably couldn't continue in the position anyway. But we have Melissa's job as uh, she was half-time here as children's director. 
And so there's another, another gap there. But I want to assure you that there are some people that have stepped into that gap also. Um, we had a meeting this week with the children's leadership team. Melissa raised these people up in the position that they were in over the last year. And uh, Anita and Erida and uh, Linda and Twinkie and I had a meeting this week and they are stepping into the positions. There are many volunteers that are in there. And so be assured that the children's ministry will continue. And uh, we want to be sure that we're making disciples um, of the children here at AIC. So there's lots of things that are being done. Some things probably will get missed. And there's opportunities in many places for you to step in and say, hey, I have this idea. So I have this thought that we are on a big journey. And we're going to talk about that journey this morning. In many ways, we're talking about a journey. In the Bible, there's a number of times when we find people going through a journey in their life. Very early on in the book of Genesis, we have Abraham starting his journey where he goes from Ur of the Chaldees, and we're not exactly sure where that is, but it's probably somewhere near Baghdad. And he travels across that great fertile crescent, comes down into Canaan, and then needs to go down into Egypt, and comes back to Canaan again. And his life is really a journey, both geographically and journey with God. Follow that journey sometime as you have a chance to read it. Another journey that we have is we have Moses, who was supposed to be killed as one of the children of Israel, but he was raised in Pharaoh's house in Egypt. When he was 40 years old, he went off into the wilderness, and when he was 80 years old, he came back and has the journey that we know him most for, the journey of the exodus of the Israelites out of Egypt to the promised land. And as we started facing this journey with Pastor Mike, I remember sitting with him one time and saying, you know, that journey that the Israelites took was supposed to be about a year or so, and they ended up making it a 40-year journey. I opt for the shorter one if we have a choice here at AIC. <laughs> okay, as we have our choices, let's, let's uh, be obedient to the Lord and keep our journey short. You think of the Apostle Paul, too, in his journeys. He became a believer in Jesus Christ. He saw the light. He had no idea what God was calling him to. He said, yes, Lord, I'm willing to be your servant. Do you think he knew about the shipwreck and the prison time and the times when he was beaten and the times when things weren't going so good? But yet he had the opportunity on this journey to share Jesus where Jesus had never been shared before. He had the opportunity to pen the words of, the, of the, much of the New Testament, about 25% of the New Testament. He wrote... And he shared with believers how to follow Jesus. So Paul had that journey. And I just want to share, you know, when you go on a journey, there's certain things that you need to pack. 
You want to be sure that your luggage has the right things in it. And I want to encourage us to pack up for our journey. We're going to start a journey. We're starting a journey here this week. And I want to be sure that we have some things packed for this trip. The first thing, I want to be sure that we have grace packed. Now, John, that's not your wife, okay? Because you should take her in the seat, not in the luggage, okay? But you should have, we should all have grace packed. That's an extra measure of forgiveness and understanding that we have. Something that we don't deserve. And when there's times that come up and things don't happen the way they're supposed to be. Extend grace. Learn grace. And have that be an ever-present characteristic of each of our lives. The second thing we want to be sure to pack is love. We want to be sure that we have love for one another. We're supposed to be known as a people who love one another. That's the testimony we have to offer. And so as we go through this trip, be sure to have love packed. And the third one, the last one I'll mention now, I'm sure there's more that we need to have. I encourage us to have patience. Understanding of one another. I was on a trip recently with someone and I said, do you think you understand patience? Are you good at patience? Well, I'm sure that this trip, this journey that we're on, <coughs> excuse me, will be an opportunity for us to learn more patience. So with that, I want to pray, and then we'll get started here with the message. Father, you are inviting us on a journey, a journey in our own lives individually as you're going to work with us, and a journey as we go with the church. And where you take us, we want to follow. We want to be obedient. We want to learn the lessons that you have for us. We want to expand the gifts that you've given us as we have new opportunities to serve you. And so, Father, I pray that as we start this journey, we want to start it with you. You are the one that directs. You are the one who guides. You are the one who sets the pace. You are the one who answers the questions. It is you who is our guide. And may we walk closely to you and hear from you. I thank you now in Jesus' name. Amen. And so for a few months, we've been anticipating this day. You know, when I became a father, I had nine months notice. I only got three months on this one. So I was talking with Pastor Mike one day about what we're going to do for preaching and how we're going to cover this. And he let me know he's been through one of these transitions here at AIC. Pastor Mark Price left. And uh, he recalled that after Pastor Mark left, they had a sermon series on the book of Mark. I thought about that pretty quickly. I said, Michael's not mentioned very much in the Bible. I think there's only about four references to the angel Michael. 
we might need more than four weeks worth of sermons. So I told him actually what I think the Lord was laying on my heart and has been confirmed by the under-shepherds and the enthusiasm that we've had in following this. I told him, what happens if we look at the life of Jesus Christ and we follow it through on a chronological, in a chronological order from the beginning of the Gospels to the end of the Gospels? That way, I will be preaching probably about twice a month. Someone else from AIC will probably be preaching about once a month and we're going to be bringing in some outside speakers. And some of those people, other than myself, will follow this pattern. And so I look through a harmony of the Gospels. If any of you have the NIV Study Bible, the list that I used is in there. And what it does is it takes the four Gospels and it interweaves them together into one story. Because we have the four Gospels, but they don't all tell the same event. Sometimes all four Gospels tell the same event and sometimes only one Gospel. And so put them into some kind of chronological order. We could journey with Jesus and see how he went through his life. And so I looked at that and I have it in order and I've actually circulated it to a number of the special speakers. Some are going to be coming and telling us about their ministry and what's going on. And so we'll take a break. But uh, we're basically going to travel through the life of Christ chronologically in all four Gospels. And uh, I'm excited. I want to see what God's going to do. I want to see if we walk with Jesus, what we can learn about this journey that we're on. Um, Some people are going to say, oh, those are old familiar stories. That's okay. We can learn things from them. I've gone there. I've seen them before. And uh, we get to see what God has for us. Um, we'll We'll get to see things in a new light, maybe from a new angle. A different perspective on something. Marianne and I were hiking this week and we have overlooked the Hong Kong Harbor a number of times from the peak. Have you been there? You get to see Hong Kong Harbor, you get to see the boats, you get to see the skyscrapers and all that. We took a hike up to Jardine's Lookout. Does anybody know where that is? It's on the other side, of the, on the, more on the eastern side of the island. And we got a different perspective of the same harbor. And so that's what we're going to look at, maybe a different perspective of the same life. And so I invite you to join. I invite you to go along with us on this journey. And one of the things that you'll find, we're going to try to do this each week, if you have a bulletin with you, by the way, if you don't have a bulletin and don't have the sermon notes, you can raise your hand, somebody will bring one to you. What we're going to do in the bulletin each week is we're going to list the scripture verses that are going to be preached on for this week and the next week. So you can see where we are, you can see where we're going, and what you'll end up doing if you read all these is you'll read all four Gospels over a period of about a year. The other thing that I should say about this is when we get to Easter, which is not too far away, we're going to get out of the chronological sequence and we're going to look at Easter. And we're going to do the same thing if this continues on till Christmas, we're going to do the same thing at Christmas time. Those will be the only interruptions in the sequence. So you can read God's Word, you can read the four Gospels, and we'll put it together for you chronologically. So we have four primary sources. Matthew, Mark, and not the two who are up front here. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
Just a few things about each one of these books of the Bible. We call them the Gospels, the good news, the good news of the story of Jesus. Matthew wrote to his fellow Jewish believers. He had Jews in mind when he shared this. And you'll see that because he emphasized that Jesus was from Nazareth. Jesus was a fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. And he was talking to Jewish people that were aware of these prophecies, aware of the, um, the genealogy and all these things. And so Matthew gives us the story from basically a Jewish perspective. Mark wrote his gospel. It's the shortest of the four. He wrote his gospel for the busy Romans. He jumps from point to point, from place to place, and he tells us stories about Jesus. He's um, emphasizing that Jesus is the king, and he also presents Jesus as the servant. And you'll find Jesus many times ministering to needy people. And so we have Mark's account. Luke wrote his gospel for the Greeks. All these gospel writers were inspired by God, but share the story in a slightly different way, in a different perspective. We see that my messages here are different than when I preached in rural Kentucky. One of the things that I did here in Hong Kong is I've preached to the Saturday AFF group through the book of Peter, and I saw Peter giving a lot of warnings, telling them how to live. And it reminded me of the statement that we hear so many times when we're writing the MTR. What's the most common statement that you hear before you get off the MTR? Please? That would not have worked at all in Kentucky. They would have no idea what we were talking about, minding the gap. And so you see, these writers write a little differently according to the audience. They're, they're sharing truth from God, but they're sharing it in somewhat of a different way. And so we have Luke. He's the third writer, and he wrote his gospel for the Greeks. Luke was a doctor. He did not actually walk with Jesus, but he went around interviewing people who did walk with Jesus. And he tried to put the story together so that people who hadn't known about Jesus before could have a picture of who Jesus is. Part two of Luke's gospel is the book of Acts, and they, they kind of go together. We're not going to go there to, uh, in this series. And then the last one is John. John's gospel was written later in life. John is actually the only disciple who died a natural death. And so when he was older, perhaps in his 90s, he wrote this gospel. And he's putting things together in a lot of ways as he's reflected on them over his lifetime. And you'll find one of the characteristics of John's gospel is instead, in addition to just relating the events that happened, he will oftentimes give us the meaning that Jesus taught as to why those, three, those things happen. And so these Gospels are where we're going to get the story of the good news. And so the first question that I want to ask as I'm looking at the story 
Um, these are the scriptures. They're, they're in your bulletin. Um, we're not going to be reading all of them. This will be the first time in my life that I preach on the genealogies. We're going to cover two chapters of genealogies here in the next few minutes. And so you'll see that, uh, that going on. But one of the first questions that I want to ask is I want to ask, who is leading this journey? It's not me. It's not our under-shepherds. By the way, in the absence of a lead pastor, it's the under-shepherds who take the leadership of the church. So be in prayer for our under-shepherds. Mark, uh, or Matthew uh, is our head under-shepherd right now. Uh, that could change at the annual meeting after that, but uh, be in prayer for them. Who is leading this journey? The journey that we're going on individually in our lives is led by Jesus. The journey that we're going on as a church is led by Jesus. And I want you to think a little bit about a journey. If you were going on a journey to Hong Kong, some of you have done that. Some of you were born here. If you were going on a journey to Hong Kong, this might be helpful. By the way, this came from Pastor Mike's library. He didn't take it with him. <laughs> he knows Hong Kong, I guess. He left it. And so uh, I'm glad to have it here. But uh, when we first uh, came to Hong Kong uh, about two years ago, before we came, we got one of these. We got YouTube videos. We looked all through them. But you know what helped us most to learn Hong Kong? Someone met us at the airport. They didn't just tell us to get on the bus or get on the MTR. Get off at such and such a stop. They met us at the airport and they walked us through. They took us to the hotel we were going to be staying in. They met us and took us for a meal. Took us to see some of the sights. That was our first time to the peak. That was our first time to see the harbor. The best thing you can have when you're going someplace new is to have somebody who's there and knows the territory. And I want you to see what's going on here. Jesus becomes the one who takes us on this journey. Jesus is the one who is leading us on this journey. Is He qualified? The immediate answer is, well, yes, silly. The answer to that has to be yes. Jesus is qualified. And we're going to find that all four, or the three Gospels we're looking at today, all try to present His qualifications to us. But think about that. Is He qualified? Do you act like He's qualified? Think about it. As you set the course for your life, do you say, Jesus, I'm following you? Or, Jesus, you're welcome to come along with me, and as long as you don't get too inconvenient, I'll say you're qualified. Just don't ask me to do something that would be hard, or difficult, or different than what I want. When you pray, do you invite 
God to join your plans. Dear Lord, these are my plans for the day. I ask for your blessings on them. Or do you pour your heart out and say, God, let me hear from you. What do you want me to do today? Are you trusting Him as His call for your life becomes increasingly more involved? My guess is that the, the journey that we're on here as a church, God will invite many of us to step up, step out in something new. And God's going to teach us to do something new. Those of you that have been around for a number of months, remember us talking about the four-chair discipling. The first chair is to come and find out who Jesus is. Just see who He is. The second chair is to come and follow. And once you get into the third and the fourth chair, God is asking you to use your gifts in a new way. Be challenged to make disciples. Be challenged to be involved in ministry. And the person who wrote the four-chair discipling book said that what happens a lot of times when we get that increased challenge, we say, nope, I'm not going there, God. I like it here. I'm comfortable. And what we find, if Jesus is indeed in charge, if He's qualified, then we need to trust Him. We need to trust Him with where He's taking us where we're going, and what we're doing. And so, let's look at some of the ways that these authors, Matthew, Luke, and John, tell us that Jesus is qualified. The first thing that I see is the genealogies. And if you look in uh, the book of Matthew and the book of Luke, you'll see a long list of all the people that go back in Jesus' lineage. I learned some things about this list, and I, I appreciate the list a lot more than what I used to. It looks like a long list of people that lived way before. People who I don't know. People who aren't important. But look through the list and you'll see names from the Old Testament and find out where they are. You'll find that there's a difference in the lists. I, I uh, actually took all the scriptures for today, put them on one piece of paper, which meant that I had the two genealogies almost side by side. And I could see, wait a minute, these lists look like they aren't the same list. Is there a mistake here? Is there something going on? Is there a problem with the Bible? Because the lists don't match up. So I did a little, little research. Do you remember who Matthew wrote to? Matthew wrote to the Jewish people. The Jewish people did their genealogy starting, uh, starting at the oldest person and working forward. Ending at the person who was just born, who would have been Jesus. And so Matthew's list starts at one end. And Luke's list starts with Jesus and works backwards. So first of all, you have to kind of turn the lists around and, and look at them that way and see that there is a connection between the two of them. One was speaking to the Jewish audience, the other was speaking to the Greek audience. And so they listed it in the appropriate order for that. But even with that, there are a few differences. 
First of all, Luke goes back further than Matthew does. Matthew starts with Abraham. Luke ends with God. If you trace the genealogies of Joseph and Mary back, Luke ends with God. Now, How cool is that? To have God in your lineage and in your genealogy. The other thing that happens is um, Luke also includes some of Mary's lineage. And so there are some additional people in there and they fall into Mary's line. But what these authors are saying and they felt it important to include it here, Jesus is qualified because He's the only one that fulfills the Old Testament prophecies. We'll look at that a little bit more next week. But He, if you follow the genealogies, He's the only one who could fulfill the promises. He's the only one who is qualified to be our leader on this journey. The next part that I want to look at is I want us to look at the fact that the Gospels are not just a mysterious stories that were kind of made up and collected over a period of time. But if you look in Luke, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, you see the careful nature with which Luke um, examined these things and he wrote them down so that we could have them. When Luke was writing this, it would have been in the, in the 50s A.D., sometime around there, late 50s A.D., there were still people around who were eyewitnesses to Jesus. Do you know what happens if you write something down incorrectly and there's an eyewitness that can correct it? You start hearing about it. It gets corrected. And so Luke is putting this out there the Gospel of Luke is written while there are still people that, that knew Jesus and knew who He was. He could, they could correct any account that was wrong. It's not, we're not able to just put out like a fairy tale, some kind of story, some kind of mystery. Because people were still there. And Luke made an attempt to make an orderly account for us to understand and so Jesus is qualified because of the eyewitnesses that shared what Jesus did and who He's all about. So we've gone through the genealogies. We've gone through Luke. I want to spend just a little bit of time looking at the book of John. John chapter 1. Um, John chapter 1 and... Uh, supposed to go there um, we want to look at John chapter 1 the first 18 verses just spend a little bit of time here and see what John tells us about this John tells us that Jesus joined us on this journey if you look at verse 14 there uh, find my scripture here, verse 14. <coughs> it says, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory and the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the one who came. 
He came and dwelt for a while among us. The first three verses in that chapter say, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus lived with us on earth and makes it possible for us to know God. To know who He is. You'll see a lot of similarities when you look at these verses. As you read through the first uh, 18 verses of, first John, of John chapter 1. The Word reveals who God is. You'll notice that the Word is capitalized. The word, Word, has a capital W in it. That means it's referring to something or someone specific. The Word from verse 14, we understand, means Jesus. And it's so critical that the word, Word, was used. Words communicate our heart. We should know this in a multilingual city. I have certainly experienced it as I try to share what's in my heart if I don't know the language of the person I'm talking to. Words are so critical. It's hard to communicate word or it's hard to communicate what's going in our heart without words. And Jesus is the words of God made flesh coming to live here among us. And so as we go on this journey looking at who Jesus is and go on this journey through the four Gospels, we're going to learn about God and who God is as Jesus lives His life before us and teaches us. It says here that the Word existed. And that means more than just that He existed before John the Baptist because John the Baptist was born first. Jesus existed eternally in heaven before He came here to earth. Jesus always was. Jesus is God living among us. The word incarnate. It is, it is flesh put on, uh, put on the Word so that God lives among us. The word Emmanuel comes up sometimes at Christmas time. Emmanuel means God with us. The word Jesus is not something abstract. He was a real person who had real flesh and blood while He was here on earth. But yet He was still fully God. We see some other themes coming up here in these verses. Jesus is light and Jesus is life. Those are two words that help us understand who Jesus is. Without light, there is no life. Turn the sun out for a while. It's not going to work. Is it any wonder that God created the light, the sun, first? before He created the plants and the animals. Jesus is light. And He brings life to us. John is giving a little preview of that and saying, yes, Jesus is qualified. Jesus is the One who can guide us in this. And He came in the flesh so that we can follow Him. 
So that's a little bit of kind of a preview of our journey, the journey that we're going to be going on, the journey with Jesus, the journey in our life. And I wondered, has anyone else taken this journey before? Do we have any reliable accounts of what Jesus has done? And I thought, is there anyone in the New Testament that would have followed Jesus? What about Paul? Paul's a prominent name in the New Testament. He's somebody that met Jesus. He's somebody that had his life changed. He was turned around. What does Paul say about who Jesus is? Is Jesus qualified? Is Jesus the one to follow? Is Jesus the one to lead us on this journey? Paul says in Colossians that the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. If you want to know God, know Jesus. He's the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things that are visible and things that are invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created by Him. Do you see one of these travel brochures or you're you're visiting a travel website? You want to know where you're going. Is it an authentic place? Is it for real? Do you have any testimonials of people who have been there before? This is Paul's testimony. He's saying, yes, Jesus is qualified. Okay, let's pick another big name. You have another big name in the Bible? How about Peter? Okay, let's see what Peter has to say. Jesus was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for our sake. Through Him you believe in God. It's through Jesus that we can know God. God raised Him from the dead and glorified Him. And so, your, so our faith and hope are in God. Peter's walked this way before. That's his testimony. How about John? And you can look for more in the, in the New Testament. But the testimony of Paul and Peter and John, John says, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, the one who is in right standing, who is holy. He is the atoning sacrifice. He took our place as the sacrifice for what? For our sins. He didn't die for his sins. He died for ours and not for And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. So John is saying, follow Jesus. He's a great journey guide. And so I want to just wrap this up with a few questions, a few challenges. First of all, I want to ask you, will you join Jesus on the journey of your life? Wherever you are right now, are you willing to say, yes, I'm ready to follow Jesus? Peter had no clue what he was getting in for. He trusted the one 
who called him. Not because he had all the answers before he stepped in, but he knew that Jesus was trustworthy and he followed him. Will you do that? And the second challenge, we're kind of in this together. Will you join Jesus in this journey with AIC? Uh, Will you join on this journey with AIC? We're going through a new season. I have no idea how long it's going to be. I have no idea what all we're going to learn. But I want to ask you, will you join with us? Will you pray with us? Will you uphold our under-shepherds in prayer? Will you uphold the volunteers that are working in so many different areas in the worship team, with the children's ministry, with the youth ministry, with your community group? Will you join with us in this journey? If you see something that needs done, remember, grace, love, patience, those need to be our first response. And I'd like to add that the fourth response is, how can I help? And so I invite you to join us on this journey. I can guarantee you, if you say, yes, I'm willing to follow Jesus, I'm willing to put Him in charge of my life, He will take you places that you've never gone before. There will be a joy in your heart and a peace in your heart as you go and walk with God. And we're off on an adventure here with AIC. We're going to get to see God do amazing things. We're going to see God answer prayers. We're going to see God work in hearts. We're going to see God bring things together. We're going to look back and we're going to say, Wow, you're wonderful. I'm glad I went with you. Jesus is the one to follow. Let's pray. Dear God, thanks for sending Jesus. Thanks for bringing Him to earth. We know that we can trust Him. He's the only one that fits the genealogy. He's accounted for by eyewitnesses. He's the one who is the Word of God. We can trust Him. And so Lord, as we go into this, into this season, as a church, may we follow You. As individuals, may we say, yes, Lord, yes. To Your will and to Your way, I'm willing to follow You. We thank You now in Jesus' name. Amen.